I'm coming back for another one too. Welcome back to episode two of the Ocho Bowl podcast. As always, joined by the commish, Andrew O'Halloran. G'day, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Steve. Up and about after the Crows just finally got one on the board for 2020. Gotta enjoy it while I can. Well, it's uh, been a long time between drinks, so congratulations. And as usual, the, the numbers man, Keeney, just looking very mathematical there on the screen. How are you, Keen Dog? Very good, Stephen. How are you? Andrew, how are you going? Not too bad. Good to be here, boys. Good to have you both. So we're episode two into this illustrious podcast. It's fair to say we've had a fair bit of feedback on the first episode from our entire contingent of nine listeners and one or two that probably tuned out early. But I'm looking forward to digging a bit deeper into their teams now that we've had our draft. Um, before we kick into the teams themselves, we held the draft last Friday to much fanfare and much anticipation. Uh, however, I think before we even got to draft day, there was a fair bit of activity, an unprecedented level of activity, you could perhaps say, going on with the exchanges of picks. We talked a bit about some of the early trades on our first podcast, but post the podcast getting released, it kind of went nuts. Uh Fair few trades. Andrew, what was your take on the pre-draft trading? Uh, well, I think we had more. We had 21 pre-draft trade or t- 21 pre and during draft trade. So more than I think we've had the entire Ocho Bowl previously, uh, including Woodsy with 10 of those trades. So um, he was pretty active. Uh, while Camo sat on his uh, sat on his hands, wouldn't let anyone touch his picks. Woodsy just. He, he just went nuts, Woodsy. Like, seriously, mate. Some of those trades were legit, like, 21 and 85 for 20 and 86. It was just, like, for the sake of trading. There was at one point he traded with me and he said, the only reason I want to do this is to piss Dale off. So, like, there was some, there was some strategy <laughs> behind his trading, but a lot of the time was just to, just to piss other league members off, which was good. Do you think it was a cry for help? I think it was just a cry just because he, he wanted to be active and just involved in the league. I think it was he saw it as a little win early and maybe that's a sign of things to come. We, we spoke about him coming seventh consecutive years and maybe he's trying to bank a couple of little psychological wins early in the bank and see if he can ride some momentum. I think if, if you're seeing a few pre-draft trades as a sign of success, it's probably an indication of why you finish seventh every year. But uh, we'll, we'll see if he's in, managed to improve his, his, his team ultimately based on the pre-draft trades. Uh, boys, who do you think, or were there any winners and losers out of the pre-draft trading? Did anyone go into the draft with a super strong swathe of picks from your eye, Andrew? Uh, I mean, it's pretty hard to get a large 
grouping of a better grouping of picks considering we all the pretty equal value. Uh, I mean, Reese by just the virtue of having pick one and then making a few small trades, obviously he's going to end up with a good hand. Um, and I didn't mind your hand of uh, five, was it five, uh, six picks in the top forty-three. So good setup for your team there, I think. Before we even took some players. Well, clearly, clearly, fifty has to be discussed here. Having five and six, and then and think he traded back in for twenty-five, didn't he? Um, but we'll get to yeah. his team a little bit later. But uh, the one issue with trading into pick twenty-five is you can't take Leonard Fon- Leonard Fournette, <laughs> um, which is what happened. And and as we've just seen overnight, big movement in the NFL with Fournette being waived by the Jags. So we're still waiting to see where he ends up. I think he the waivers clear tomorrow. So. Um, someone will have him tomorrow. The early whispers are potentially Washington, which would be interesting. Um, well, there's a few teams in the mix, really, so we'll have to wait and see. I think you, when you take a running back at pick 25, you typically expect them to be on an NFL roster four days later. But as <laughs> has been widely discussed on this podcast, Fitzy is not your typical draftee nor your typical manager. So he's taken an interesting route, and let's see how it plays out for him. Uh, just looking at Fitzy, actually, I mentioned that it would be interesting if he headed to Washington. Looking at Fitzy's team, he's actually also got Adrian Peterson um, in the lineup. So if he goes to Washington, maybe not an ideal scenario for Fitzy going forward. Well, he was one of his youngest players too, Fournette, even though he looks like he's about 50. <laughs> so it hasn't been a great start for him. But we'll, we'll come back to Fitzy's team in a later episode. Uh, over the course of the next two episodes, we're going to be going team by team across the Ocho Bowl, digesting the draft picks, looking at the lineups, and ultimately deciding who we think is well poised for a real attack on the Ocho Bowl crown in 2020. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to do the teams at random, um, and, and the reason for this is it, it's going to read pretty pretty boring if we if we just basically follow the picks of the draft. So. We're going to kick off with a guy who I think has probably been maligned over the years for his either lack of NFL knowledge or his just lack of knowledge in general. But I think this year really just decided that fantasy was going to be his life. Um, I know for a fact he took a sick day on Friday to prepare for the draft. <laughs> and he called it a, a well-being day and there was absolutely nothing about it other than cramming draft preparation in. He has mentioned to me that he's listened to his own section of the last podcast on four different occasions. The first one, just to hear what we said about him. The second two, to actually take notes around how he should use his draft pick and you know, make some wise choices based on our advice, which is, which is probably a smart move. And the fourth one, because I really just like listening to people talk about him, uh, only because the draft day hit did he actually you know, probably not rack up more listens on that. I think he... He got very, we talked about Woodsy, but this guy got caught up in the hype of the draft, uh, pre-draft trading as well. I, of course, talk about uh, Dale McAuliffe, the uh, the perennial dunce of the league is maybe a nice way to put it. He's been a bit of a bit of a footnote uh, in terms of the, the history books, but he's also been uh, a bit, bit entertaining over the years with some of his draft picks and his obsession with San Fran players or, in his terms, drafting guys he's heard of. I'll give you a quick run through of his team. He took Saquon Barkley at pick two, Dalvin Cook at pick nine, 
he then took big boy Taylor, the Indianapolis beast, pick 40, DK Metcalf, 53, and Sutton at 54. Russell Wilson is his QB at 71. He's got John Brown, Tyler Higby is his, uh, his tight end, which he took at pick 95. Um, and then uh, Williams, Henderson, Justin Jefferson, Steelers D, Tom Brady, uh, Jarwin and the big leg of Justin Tucker at 167. Boys, what do we make of Dale's lineup? Pick two gives you a reasonably good starting point. How do you think it's panned out for him? Uh, so, I mean, he's pretty top heavy, which is what you expect with two first round picks. Um, with Cook and Barkley, you should hopefully be able to, well, not hopefully for us, but uh, he's hoping that he can rely on them to lead him to the promised land. But then, you know, Taylor apparently has been dropping passes in training camp and then Henderson's injured at the moment. Uh, if one of those players goes down, he's in a lot of trouble, I think. So he's, you know, he, he's praying for the health of those two uh, running backs. Is there mm. a better combination of two, uh, two running backs in the comp, in the league, do you reckon? Uh, you got to go with Reese with uh, McCafferty and Chubb, I think, just on the power of CMC. And then obviously Chubb's no slouch. But um, I mean, those two teams are the vying for that competition, I would say. What were your thoughts on Dale's team, Keeney? Uh, well, look, straight away, you can, you can notice a couple of things just from a, really highlighting his rookie ability. First of all, two quarterback and two tight end in the squad, which not many people tend to do. It, it really screams of, I don't know who else to pick. I'm going to take Tom Brady because I know him. <laughs> um, so that's one thing I've noticed early on. Also reaching for the defense in the 12th round. Took a kicker, which I was so proud. Only five teams took kickers this year. That is fantastic. Obviously, Dale wasn't one of those, uh, was one of those. Um, so, yeah, look, I think with that, in all seriousness, um, his depth is going to be challenged just because he's taken two tight ends and two quarterbacks um, in his team. So as we mentioned early, like earlier with, with Cook and Henderson um, injuries and holdouts um, kind of leaves him a little thin. He's obviously got some good top end guys. Um, I do like Metcalf and I like Sutton, um, but then it's a little bit thinner after that. John Brown's going to be hard to start. Mike Williams is injured. Jefferson apparently is the number three behind BC Johnson uh, in Minnesota at the minute. So I think his depth falls away a little bit after the first few picks. I must admit, I, uh, having not heard the Jefferson news at that point in time, I traded out pick 135 as 135 was coming because I was pretty keen on taking Jefferson. And I thought there's no way Dale will take a rookie. He's probably never heard of him. Uh, so I, I traded I picked a Dale and pushed myself back to 140. And uh, that didn't work out too well for me because he took him straight away. But I do like Barkley and Cook. We talked about CMC is obviously a freak and Chubb is the other strong running back, running back combination. Uh, I'd probably throw uh, Edwards, Hilaire, Jacobs from Camo in that category too. But PPR, full point PPR particularly, I think Barkley and Cook both as pass catching running backs are a very strong start for Dale. Um, I'm not... Huge fan of Metcalf and Sutton. Both are very promising, but we know these sort of second-year, third-year guys often take a bit of a step backwards, so he's got a bit of risk there. Uh, Wilson's a pretty pretty safe bet. But, yeah, it will be interesting to see 
where that middle depth comes from because I'm kind of with you, Keeney, that there's not a lot behind those starters for his roster. What I will add, though, I'll say um, at pick 40, I actually did like the Jonathan Taylor pick. Um, I was hoping he'd drop a little bit further. I was probably a bit optimistic, but I will say I like the pick um, because I think he's one guy that will just take over from this job. It might not be great early, but he's got the Barkley, Cook guys to cover for him early. And then Taylor could be a guy that could win you a league in the the last six weeks of the the season because he's completely taken over that role in Indianapolis behind a really good offensive line. So um, I do like that pick at pick 40. Uh, Taylor would not have dropped because I was definitely taking him at pick 41 next before Dale took him off me. Um, But then with tight end, I thought, so you took Higby at pick 95, which isn't that bad of value, but there was four... uh, three tight ends, so Hurst, Henry, and Ingram all went in the nine picks before. So he's kind of jumped on the end of a run there where he, if he waited till his next pick, he might have been able to still get him someone about that same level um, and then picked up another player for depth there. So I don't think that was the best pick from him there. And I'm, I'm not massively high on Higby either this year. I think there's some... I think there's a little bit of risk involved um, there. I think they're going to utilise Gerald Everett just as much as him. Um, he was a bit of a flash towards the back end of last year, but um, I think there's some other upside guys you could take, like a Jasicki or a Herndon, um, Hooper, some of these. Jonu Smith, he went pick 131. Um, like, There's plenty of those kind of guys. Um, Noah Fant went you know, 30, 40 picks later. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Jumping on the end of a run when um, you could just wait and wait and wait at that position. Um, we'll see. Just going through the picks straight after him, after he, so he obviously took, <clears throat> excuse me, he took Kigby at pick 95. Uh, his next pick was 119. In that time, the only tight end that went was Gronk. However, had he waited to take Kigby, guys like Darius Slayton went, uh, who else? Um, Alexander Madison, Latavius Murray, who's increasingly looking like a, a pretty good option as uh, the Alvin Kamara holdout talks seem to abound. Marlon Mack went in that gap. Uh, actually, no, sorry, he didn't. Matt Breida went, went in that gap. Though Kerryon Johnson, Nikhil Harry. So it was some pretty strong players. Aaron Rodgers, not that he needed another quarterback. Pretty strong players he could have picked if he had awaited. Um, it, will be, it will be interesting to see how, how Higby goes this year because it's a sort of offense that can be pretty good for a tight end, but they've never certainly in recent years since Jared Goff's been around, had one that's just exploded. So it will be interesting to see whether whether he makes inroads or, you know, he's just going to be in the mix with the rest of those guys, the Fants and Cooks and Jasikis. Uh, on that, I do really like the pick of Blake Darwin. I was very high on him going into the draft. So getting him at 154, um, I mean, there's a good chance he could be a um, top 12 tight end this year, I think. So getting him that late's not too bad. And, and more to your point, um, just with the talent that went around Higby, like I, I, I agree, I, I like the Blake Jarwin pick, but that should have been your your first and only tight end um, and then take another running back or take another receiver instead of Higby. And then last point I've got on uh, Dale is round seven when he's playing Ukini, uh, he's got both Cook and Taylor on buyers. So he's going to have to pick up some running backs to... Uh, fill in for there because he's going to struggle to field a strong squad that week, I think. 
Well, it'll be a struggle for most teams when they come up against me, but uh, <laughs> looking pretty sharp early. I didn't realise that. That's that's great news. Thank you, Andrew. The only other thing, he was the second player to take a tie, uh, to take a defence. So just in the little byproduct of the, as we discussed last week, if you're taking anyone other than position players at, at round 12, you're a bit of an amateur and the, uh, the, the ultimate amateur test, of course, was won by the next bloke we're about to talk about, who was the first one to take a defense, but Dale was number two. Actually, I've got one last closing comment. And Dale, I know you're listening. My question to you, my friend, is with Russell Wilson in your team, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, when are you going to start Tom Brady? What, what, why would you take him? <laughs> when are you going to play him? It's just... What are you hoping Russell gets injured? I just don't understand that logic at all. It's a fair question. We look forward to getting Dale on the podcast in the next uh, week or so to, to hear his answer and his explanation. Uh, all right, well, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Keeney? Yes. Next one in any old order. We're going to go all the way back to Woodsy. Uh, old meat and potato <laughs> and didn't he have a nice meat and potatoes haircut on the night um, covered by that San Fran beanie of his but we did get to see the short back and sides a couple of times made an appearance it was good um, so obviously we've touched on Woodsy early with, with a lot of his um, his want to trades and get a few little wins I've already talked about how he just made a few little sideways trades that he was very excited by it. Got the juices flowing for him, which was good to see. <laughs> uh, so an interesting one with, with him was um, Kelsey and I suppose Kelsey and Kittle debate. So I took Kittle um, at 15. He took Kelsey at 20. Um, but he's just been peppering me nonstop. And he just wants a straight swap. He just wants <laughs> Kittle for Kelsey and that'll do. And I said, mate, I took him before. Kel- I could have taken Kelsey if I wanted him. I clearly had Kittle higher. And he said, no, no, no. Well, I've got... Kelsey higher, but I, I go for San Fran. So that's why I want to do the trade. It's like, well, hold on. Just on that, before you joined, I was actually telling Manny about that he's peppered me with Boston Scott trades straight up for players that I took before Boston Scott. Like, if I wanted Boston Scott that much, I would have taken him with those picks, Woodsy. He's got a bit of Boston Scott, Boston Scott about him, Woodsy, doesn't he? I reckon he's a bit of a doppelganger. <laughs> There was, if there was one thing that came through from old meat and potatoes, Woodsy on the night, it was that he is a slave to the rankings. He's just oh. absolutely bought into wherever he gets them from. Uh, he, 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 would, he would just be offering these trades because he thinks he's getting an upgrade based on his ranking sheet and very, very happy with his A+. I've heard a rumour that he might have framed the printout, put it up on the wall at home. Well- <laughs> Speaking of bought in, he literally bought in to a full year's subscription to this website. I'm pretty sure that could help him through the draft. And I'm pretty sure there was a computer drafting for him on the night because there weren't, there weren't too many woodsy decisions being made. It was all fantasypros.com or whatever he signed up for. Um, and whatever they said to do, that's what Woodsy did. So um, when guys like... Um, DeAndre Swift are going and he's saying, oh, he's down in the 200s. I can't find him. Well, Woodsy, get a new subscription, my man. <laughs> get a refund. Need <laughs> to get a refund. Get some cash back, mate. That's, that's no good. He's looking at the, 19, the 2019 rankings when the bloke was still at college. <laughs> yeah, college. I wonder. 
Anyway, let's go through his team um, as it sits today. So he obviously made a few moves, traded out um, of some early round one picks, um, ended up with Eckler uh, and then Kelsey, which is a nice start, I think, in, in full PPR. I tell, um, for mine, Eckler's got a massive ceiling um, and a pretty decent floor as well in that offense. If he's the main man, which it looks like he will be, um, his numbers without Gordon last year were astronomical. So he's got every chance to be a top five running back, I think. Like, it's unlikely, but the ceiling's there for me. Um, so I like that pick. I think you know what you're going to get with Kelsey. Um, he's going to be in the top three tight ends this year, um, unless something weird happens. Then we go to his receivers. Alan Robertson, uh, Cooper Cup. I, I quite like both of them. Um, for mine, Alan Robertson gets a bit of an upgrade if Foles is a QB over Trubisky. So we'll soon see what happens there. They haven't really announced what's going to happen yet. Um, Lev Bell is his second running back. Not a huge fan personally, but we'll see what happens. Was this the moment that Woodsy lost the plot? He started with Eckley, Kelsey, Robinson and Cup. He's flying. And then all of a sudden, might have got his third drink into him or something. Well, Takes Lev Bell and it's fairly downhill from there. It does, it does look a little alcohol related the rest of his drafts if we're gonna go through it. I mean actually I will I will say Tyler Boyd um and Jarvis Landry, I they're I think they're fine picks um as your third and fourth receiver. I think he's pretty strong in receiver really, but it's just after Eckler and then I think his RB2 is either Bell, Marlon Mack, as I said, I think Jonathan Taylor's a real threat. Um Brado, we don't really know much about Miami at the minute and then Boston Scott, I mean, yeah, you're hoping for some um, Sanders injury, but I mean, Sanders is a guy. I, Boston Scott was a, a flash in the pan. He's a he's an eight touch a eight touch a game kind of running back. I don't think he's going to do too much damage. And then of course here comes the, the Homer San Fran D pick uh, in the twelfth round. I'm not sure his paid subscription told him to do that. <laughs> I, I must admit, um, Boston Scott, interesting uh, given he's spent pretty much every waking minute trying to flog him off to other teams since he picked him up. So clearly not a love there. Not a lot of love from that pick for Woodsy. What do we think overall, Andrew, about his, uh, his list build? Um, so, I mean, very similar. Like those wide receivers, I was high on every one of those wide receivers uh, going in and everyone knows my love of Travis Kelsey. Um, having a look at his draft, the one Travis Landry picked over Ronald Jones, so the next couple of running backs that went were Ronald Jones, Tariq Cohen, Zach Moss, and Philip Lindsay. So while I do like Jarvis Landry, he's a bit of injury cloud, and he could have shot up his running backs there with one of those guys. Um, and Reese will be licking his lips. He's got him in week 11 when he's got Alan Bell, uh, Alan Robinson, Breeder, and Golden Tate all on by. So Reese will be chalking that one up right now, I think, on the whiteboard, barring some trades. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty unlucky. We didn't even touch on his QB, which is um, Josh Allen from Buffalo. Um, yeah, int- I, I don't mind Josh Allen. I mean, I think he's got a pretty high floor with his rushing ability. So I think he can be... He's, yeah, what do you guys think? Do you think he can be... Can he crack the top three or four QBs this year? Yeah, he's got a uh, digs as a deep threat now. So if you can bump his touchdowns up to sort of 25, 28, and then keep his rushing, you know... That's you're probably looking at a you know, what five to seven quarterback there. So where he got him, I don't know. I'd, for someone with that many, with some that isn't that good of an actual quarterback, I don't like taking them that high though. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with the assessment of him as a player. I, I don't mind him either. The only thing I'd point out is if you look at the draft board, so you had, uh, I, I, not surprisingly, Jackson and Mahomes went in the first 30 picks. Prescott went at 44. Uh, you then had Murray in the mid-60s and Watson and Wilson right on 70-71. Um, he then took Allen at 83. Now, another quarterback didn't go to 111, which was Breeze, Rogers 115, Ryan 120, Stafford 125. At 137, 138, you could still get guys like Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. I don't think the upside of Allen over a Carson Wentz is worth going 50 picks earlier and giving up the sort of players you could get when he took Allen because guys like Evan Ingram, Will Fuller, Philip Lindsay, Zach Moss all went around that time. So while I don't mind him as a player, I think if Woodsy had his draft again and saw how it played out, I reckon he'd just wait, try and take another player, particularly given the three guys that went just before and around him or the four guys, Zach Moss, Philip Lindsay, Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, James White, and even Tariq Cohen went a few picks before that. So it's another running back that is startable, whichever of those guys you pick. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agree with that for sure. But overall, um, yeah, as we've kind of touched on, I think he's receives a pretty strong. Um, he's got some good pass catches there with Kelsey as well. Um, so he's going to be pretty strong in a PPR format, I think. Um, he just needs a little bit of luck with Bell um, and then needs to probably add a little bit of depth at the running back position throughout throughout the year if he's going to contend. And obviously, um, he's going to hope that San Fran produced like they did last year, which is not always the case with defences year on year. So we'll see. Do we think this lineup goes in unchanged to week one, or does he? Is he got a couple of trades between now and then? Uh, he'll probably have five new players in him uh, by the start of the, the by round one, knowing Woodsy. Yeah, he'll be shopping. Um, Sounds like he'll definitely. Whether he'll get any deals or not, to another matter. I would have thought he's probably got seven more Kittle for Kelsey requests left in him before week one, um, and then. <laughs> And then we'll take it from there. Woodsy, if you're listening, mate, I'm not doing it. Straight swap. Thanks. What if he throws in Boston Scott? That made it worse. (laughs) I don't have the roster. I'd rather not drop one of my players for Boston. Uh, (laughs) I I, I do like, and, and this is just the sort of, yeah, next level player that Woodsy is. I do like that he really paired his tight end with his kicker. I think there's a real strategic thinking going on behind the scenes there. And obviously that's that's the sort of value you get when you pay the big subscriptions to the to the services to give yourself <laughs> tactics like that. Yeah, there's a few articles um, on that website that really delve <laughs> into the tight end kicker strategy. I know Zero RB and Modified R, uh, Zero RB are all the rage, but if you haven't read read up about tight end kicker yet, you're not playing the game properly. That's right. Some people ride the wave and Woodsy's just swimming ahead of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough about Woodsy. I, I know Woodsy will be disappointed that we didn't speak about him for 45 minutes because I think that was half the reason that he did all those trades pre uh, pre-draft and he has asked about five times whether the podcast is coming and whether there's another episode so hopefully Woodsy sees that as a fair assessment of his team uh, Kamish 
do you want to introduce to our next one? Sure thing. So um, introducing Havers uh, or Up and Adams because he still hasn't changed his team name as of yet. Uh, going to the draft, I think we all knew what Havers was going to be about in the draft. He was going to load up on running backs and wide receivers, wait on his quarterback, wait on his tight end. And he just didn't disappoint us. That's exactly what he did. Um, I was a bit surprised pre-draft talk, he'd been talking about taking Michael Thomas at pick four. And then when push came to shove, he ended up taking Kamara. Um, so having a look at his starting lineup, he's gone very New Orleans heavy. So he's got Breeze, Kamara, uh, Jones, uh, Cook, Golladay, Cooper. And then he's taken Hilton with his fifth pick, but he's got him on the bench for AJ Green. And then on the bench, he's then got Hilton, Singletary, Howard, uh, Miller, Coleman, uh, Anderson, and Antonio Brown in his IR spot. Um, and then Jared Cook's his tight end. I don't think I said that before. Um, so my talking points for him were um, starting AJ Green over two Singletary and uh, T.Y. Hilton, which is a bit odd taking the the play you've taken in the seventh and putting him in starter over two other players that you've picked before him. And then his uh, pick of Drew Brees was a bit of an odd one. Even he was, as soon as he did it, he wasn't happy with it. <laughs> he just does not rate quarterbacks, does he? Just did not even consider taking one in the first nine rounds and then sort of had a bit of a panic attack and took Brees in the 10th and then just spent the rest of the draft complaining about what he'd done. Very odd strategy. Uh, it was interesting to see this. We just talked about Woodsy's team took Boyd at 63. Havers took AJ Green at 69. Um, I was a little surprised. I thought there'd be a big gap between the two of them, but I quite like AJ Green because if he's back to the AJ Green that he was a few years ago, he's a very, very good player. Um, just last year was a complete write-off, so it's sort of hard to know how to draw a line through him. Uh, I, I quite like his team, if I'm honest. It's exactly what we expected, as you pointed out. Did not take a guy that's with, you know, in a couple of years of being a rookie and just proven sort of slightly above average age guys um, with a sprinkling of old dude in there, here and there. Um, Kamara Jones is a pretty handy pair, notwithstanding Kamara's potential holdout. Golladay Cooper, can't really fault that. Cook's probably a little bit soft at tight end and, I say that because I took him last year and it was a disaster for me. He only came good after I dropped him to the waivers late in the season. Um, but I, I feel his side's reasonably rounded. Yeah, I yeah. think with the uh, Cook there, I mean, personally, of the tight, like pretty much every tight end from Fan, there was about eight taken, and Cook was the only one that I do not like. So, I mean, I think he's going to be in the market for a tight end pretty quickly uh, to replace Cook, personally. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, as a Saints man myself, I know they're pretty high on Adam Troutman. Um, they went up and got him. I think there's going to be some competition at that position this year. Um, I'm not a massive Jared Cook fan this year either. Um, from my point of view, you never really want pick four to be holding out two days later. Um, hard to control, obviously. And I think, look, I think he'll, I think we'll pay him um, and he'll play, but it's still not a great situation. Going through his team, one other thing that we have to we have to touch on, which he was proud as punch, I will say, was the pickup of Antonio Brown late and said, "Ah, oh, boys, I can put him on my IR. I've outsmarted everyone." 
So he's, he's gone and gotten that Antonio Brown there at the back end. So he'll sit there for eight weeks and, and hopefully he gets uh, picked up by some team, which is, which is a decent strategy, I guess. Um, I'm going to make the worst case scenario here for his running backs. I agree his team's pretty good. Um, here's the worst case scenario for him. Alvin Kamara holds out and misses half the year. Aaron Jones gets taken over <clears throat> by AJ Dillon, who they drafted in the second round in this year's draft, and he doesn't have 18 touchdowns this year. Devin Singletary is behind Zach Moss. Jordan Howard is behind Matt Breda, and Tevin Coleman is behind three running backs in San Fran. My biggest concern with his team is that running back could get very thin very quickly. It's a fair call. I think more so than any other year, there's a lot of movement at running back, particularly leading into the season. And there's, it feels this time of year, you have a pretty good grasp of who the, who the starters are going to be. Um, and I think this year, there's a lot more battles still going on. And probably the fact that we haven't had preseason games, it just makes it really hard. Those teams like a Buffalo with a single tree and a moss, you've just got no visibility outside of the odd news article you read from training camp as to, where the thinking is out there. And we've talked a little bit about Jonathan Taylor and what might happen at, at Indianapolis as well. So it, it, it's a fair point. I think he's pretty strong at receiver. Um, I mean, upside play in green Hilton's a, you know, probably on the downward, but he's still reasonably good to put up some steady points. And I don't mind Miller at pick a hundred either. Uh, Robbie Anderson. Well, he's shown a bit in the past. He won me a title one year. Couldn't go a whole episode without mentioning a title. Um, and as you say, he's done the, uh, the old tactic with Antonio Brown, which, you know, he either sits there on an IR spot or he gives you a huge upside at some point if he gets picked up by a team. So surprisingly, because I've always thought of Havers as a running back guy, but, you know, I think he's, he's more receiver focused this year as well. And I, I also like the, the late pick, but the Vikings defense pick, I think they bounced back this year a little bit. They were pretty ordinary last year, but I think, their coach is defensive-minded. Um, they just grabbed Yannick and Guckway from Jacksonville, which is helping, which is going to help your defense. Um, so I think they're a team that, or a defense that, are in in particular, that can rebound this year from last year. From my inside knowledge, he pretty much picked them because he knew Manny was picking next, and so he's like, "I'll just take them because Manny will probably take him." Manny didn't take a defense. I've given him too much credit. <laughs> We'll get to my team, I think, in the next episode. But uh, I was pretty happy with not taking a defense. However, there was one defense I was considering. It wasn't the Vikings. It was the Colts. I really liked them as a defense. Um, That was the only one that tempted me out of my no kick and no defense strategy. I think they've got Jacksonville week one as well. They've got a nice early schedule. Yeah. That, that was that was also that's part of the thinking. I was talking to Dale earlier today, and he mentioned that he basically picks a defense based on looking at their week one opponent. And I laughed and then thought, actually, that's not a bad way of looking at it because they are a pretty variable position, and uh, particularly, you know, for probably half the league who stream defenses, that's how you're doing it anyway. So if you got to pick one up in the last round, why not just get in early? Uh, so, Keeney says the New Orleans fan here. What's your opinion on their offense this year, considering he's got Breeze, Cook, and Kamara as a um, point? 
Yeah, I I mean, I think they're going to be a top five offense anytime Breeze and Peyton are at the helm. Um, they're just loaded everywhere. And I actually, not so much for fantasy, but I just really like the Emmanuel Sanders addition um, into this team. They've never really had a number two before. It's always um, Tracon Smith or Ted Ginn or someone like that. Um, but a legitimate number two next to Michael Thomas. Um, Alvin Kamara is a nightmare. I think their defense is good. Like, I'd... I think they're pretty stacked and they're just offensively going to be pretty strong again. So no issues there. They're obviously going to play eight games inside. Um, so yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. Give us some week. Have you got any buy stats for us, Andrew? I like all these buy sort of stats. They're good. I didn't bring this one up because it favours myself. So week six when New Orleans have their buy, so bring <laughs> Kamara out. He's playing myself. So uh, I'll enjoy wow. that one, I think. Breeze Cook Kamara. It's a pretty handy uh, threesome just to have on the pine. Particularly when you've got no backup quarterback or backup tight end. So he's he's streaming yeah. for both I find positions. That, Only schmucks do that, mate. Yeah. Well, I find that's the problem with the tight end quarterback stack is that when they have their bye, you've got to have two spots. If, you, if you're trying to field a full team that week, you've got to have two spots for backups that you may not normally have any on your bench at all. So it's um, probably the risk of having those uh, the stack for the quarterback and tight end together. And this is a little bit somewhat unrelated, but just doubling back to the Josh Allen pick that Woodsy made um, pick 80 or so, it's an interesting philosophy just around, so when Josh Allen has a buy, um, you don't want to drop him for another QB on the waiver wire. But if you've got a later guy that you're, you're comfortable to drop um, he doesn't take up another spot on your bench. Um, that can be really advantageous in bye weeks. But he's, Woodsy's never going to drop Josh Allen because he doesn't want anyone else to grab him. So he's going to have to drop a running back or a wide receiver um, to fill in that spot. So just an interesting one. Taking quarterback early um, can sometimes lead to that situation happening. I think it's a fair bet with Woodsy's tight end kicker strategy that He's got a second tight end, but I'd say he'd be picking up a second kicker because he won't want to be dropping Harrison Butker as no. well. So That's right. He's going to have a very interesting looking lineup when uh, when he finally gets to the the Kansas City bye week. On the defense, yeah, well, he's <laughs> up, um, Young Ho Young Ho Koo. So he's got the Atlanta oh. uh, tight end kicker stack. <laughs> Double, Double stack. That that would be me. No, he's, no, he's got Austin Hooper's a Brown these days. So oh, he's he too. Whoever the kicker is there. Who the hell's the Brown? I, I was going to say Gonzalez, but that was about four years ago. Um, uh, Phil, it's filthy Phil Dawson. Oh, Phil. Of course. Welcome. I, I don't want to make this about my team, but um, I'm definitely <laughs> looking at Youngway Koo because I've pretty much got every other player from the Falcons on my lineup somewhere. <laughs> so, well, wouldn't I get the kicker as well? All right, let's move on to our next team. Um, this one's a, a, a pretty close to home team. Um, Big Keeney, who uh, I can't remember if we had this conversation on or off the air, but uh, we talked a little bit. I think it was off the air, but we talked a little bit about your, your early positions. You obviously did a little bit of trading around. I think you more or less ended up back where you started, but you finished up with picks 11, 15, 32, 38. Uh, you took Tyreek Hill, George Kittle, DJ Moore, and... Mike Evans with those four picks. You then 
realised you didn't have any running backs and took um, Swift, Dobbins and Lindsay very quickly with 56, 65 and 80. Um, then you realised that your strategy was no RB, so you went back to wide receivers and took <laughs> Deontay Johnson, Preston Williams and Jalen Rager. Um, and then you thought you'd overdialed this, so you went back to running backs and took Edmonds and Love with Daniel Jones as your quarterback, um, LaVisca Chenault, and then you caved in like most weak people and took a defence in the in the last round. Um, so, look, I guess we'll get your thoughts on your team, but but we'll give you ours first. Um, you're obviously extremely strong at receiver. I, I think you've you've thrown all your eggs in the the high risk, high reward rookie basket for the running back position. Um, Swift may start, may not start, might be behind carry on to start with. Dobbins is best case in a timeshare, worst case sitting behind Ingram to start with, and Lindsay hopefully, from my perspective, is going to be sitting behind Gordon to start with. So you could be very weak there. I, I don't think anyone's going to fault Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore and Evans, and I don't think there's any chance that you're ever starting a running back in the flex at any point this year. Um, Kittle's obviously very strong, and I, I, I have my eye on him, although I didn't think he'd quite get to me at 19. I like Daniel Jones as a quarterback. Um, I like LaVisca Chanel, Rager, Preston Williams and Deontay Johnson, all of those are good late picks that I looked at every single one of them and just never quite fell to me. Um, all in all, I think strong, but your running backs is a very, very precarious is, is the way I look at it. Andrew, what do you think? Um, so yeah, a lot of the same points. Um, I do like Chase Edmonds. I think you know if something happens to Drake, who's showing that he's a bit, uh, can get pinged up pretty easily. Uh, he should step in and be an RB1. So I was lining him up with my next pick and got pipped at the post there. Uh, question: I, So Daniel Jones, you took him over Wentz and Newton. What was the... like? He's got a very tough start schedule. So, I mean, I think he's going to be a good quarterback this year, but his probably first six to eight weeks are a rough matchups. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I went for a bit of a upside play there. Um, I like the other two guys as well. Um, it was just probably into the fourth or fifth beer and, and went with Daniel Jones to be truth be told. Um, that's kind of, that was my thinking around it. If you, um, what I will say is um, since the news came out about Leonard and I always had my eye on him, I've, uh, I've grabbed big Gardner Minshew to add to the squad. I just, and I'm happy to play him the first six weeks because of that tough, tough draw with Daniel Jones. So I think he's going to go off this year, Gardner Minshew. I'm surprised he didn't get drafted for starters. Um, but, yeah, now that Daniel Jones has that – or because Daniel Jones has that tough early season schedule, I'll just get it up here. So he's Pittsburgh, tough defense, at Chicago, San Francisco, LA, Dallas, <clears throat> and then he goes into Washington. Um, that first five weeks is brutal. So um, I'll probably look to, to start Minshew. And then we'll see Minshew might have some value to trade, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's kind of – that was my thinking behind it. I didn't have a whole lot of thinking, to be honest. I do like the Jacksonville – anyone in the Jacksonville passing game because that defense is going to give up points. So, they're going to be passing a lot, especially now with Fournette gone. They're going to be – they'll be um, like Tampa Bay last year, I think, in that they'll be throwing it constantly. Yeah. And I've got three Jags, which is disgusting, but I've got Chenault, Raquel Armstead, and and uh, the big fella, the big shoe, Gardner Minshew. So, um, 
They don't have to be a good team to get your points. <laughs> Do you think Daniel Jones is going to be throwing all year as the Giants are tra- you know, trailing by big margins? Is there a bit of a... I, I know... I, I've always, often thought that about Matt Ryan, that I like Atlanta because their defence can't stop anyone. Uh do you see Daniel Jones as a bit of a candidate for that sort of scenario where despite having Saquon, they're just constantly chasing. So he just is forced to, I guess, throw the ball a lot and gives himself big upside at scoring points. Yeah. I think there's a bit of that. I think, yeah, their defense is still clearly the worst part of their part of their team. Um, so I expect them to be trailing a fair bit next year. Um, I do like his ability to, to break away from congestion and run it. I think he's got some some wheels and he's got some rushing upside um, and some, maybe some touchdown up, upside at the goal line. Um, so, yeah, for mine, he's a bit of a lower lower floor, higher ceiling play over a Wentz, who I think is a safer play. Um, so that's kind of why I went with it later. And I can always flip it or I can just go with big Minshew. It's not working. You've, uh, you've, you've picked up, you mentioned Minshew, you picked up Reichwell Armstead before the Jacksonville release of, if, if my understanding of timing is correct, before the release of um, big Leonard Fournette, uh, who do you think is the biggest winner as a player out of the Leonard Fournette release? Um, I would have to say it's Minshew. <laughs> like, I just think they're going to throw it a ton. Um, I just think, A, because... For, for me, it signals a clear intent that they're just going to stink this year and they're happy to just sell house, get Trevor Lawrence in um, if they can and and go forward with a, with a franchise QB. I don't think Minshew's a long-term answer, but I just think it's just like they're just selling off. Who they sell off? Um, Class Campbell, Ngokwe's gone, Fournette's gone. They got nothing for him. They're just trying... They're, they're basically tanking early. Um, Rockwell Armstead, I grabbed. I'm, I'm not even convinced he's going to be that good. Like, I just don't think... He's going to have that much opportunity. I think they're going to be in. They're going to be trailing by one, two touchdowns most of the year. So that's why I think Minshew, like DJ Chark, can be a pretty big beneficiary from from this. I think as well. I just anyone, as you said, Andrew, anyone in the Jags passing attack, I think gets a bit of a bump from this news. Yeah, I think that it's always a risk when you're taking players from a team that's just completely useless. Um, but also, I, I tend to agree with you on the running back side because. It's a little bit like the Washington situation when Darius Geist got released. There's no absolute clear guy in line to take the running back duties. And so it's a bit unclear. And I guess, yeah, you're taking a punt on guys and this guy's spinning up fab trying to pick up people that are in a timeshare, maybe. You know, it's, mm. it's not not super clear. I think Edmonds is, is a good point because there's probably, in my mind, four clear running backs that are handcuffs or... If you don't have the main guy, you can take the guy and sit there and hope the main guy gets injured and you've just got, you know, an RB1 or, you know, top-end RB2 straight away. Edmonds obviously being one of them. Um, you took him at 128. Uh, I see I took Pollard earlier than that. Madison had gone by that point. Would you, you consider any of those guys, have they been yeah, on the board? Absolutely. I was, I was looking at, at Madison. Um, what, what pick did Madison go? Can you just refresh me? Uh, 103. He went 103. I think we yeah, all looked at it. Yeah, <laughs> so the Preston Williams pick, I was going to take Madison there. I, I got pipped by one with Madison. Um, 
and we'll get to Andrew's team later, but TJ Hawkinson fell a long, 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 long way. And I didn't need a second tight end, but I'm like, I can't let this bloke go. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, I was definitely interested in those backups. Um, anything to do with holdout, we've seen it the last three or four years. Even if it's like weeks one, two, three, four, you're going to get some value out of these guys um, or even trade value to send to the guy that owns Dalvin Cook. Um, I, I just like the, I like grabbing those kind of guys, especially when you go receiver early as well. Uh, so with pick 38 where you took Evans, were you planning on a running back there or were you just taking best available? Um, <clears throat> no, nah, best available. Um, I mean, I, I don't try away from the fact that I like to take receivers early. Um, so I had pick eight and I ended up trading back to 11. Um, I believe, Andrew, you had nine and 10, yeah? I did at one point and then I traded back. Yeah. So you had nine and 10. On the podcast, you revealed that you like to take running back, running back. So I thought I'll just sit in behind you because you're probably not going to take a receiver. <laughs> um, that was kind of part of the plan. But I went a bit early because then you traded out. I'm like, oh, well, there goes, there goes that plan. <laughs> um, I would have, in, in all seriousness, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was there at eight, I, I probably would have taken him um, and just built around him. But thing, he wasn't there anyway. And I kind of didn't think he would be. So I was happy to move out and, and take some receivers. And just on the buys, uh, you got a pretty even spread, so no easy wins against you this year. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes it's good to have all your dudes on, on one week and just cop the one week and just be strong for 12. That's fair. Especially if it's early, because then you can I'm sort of sweeten it in the trades, be like, well, he's already had his buy week. You, can, you don't have to worry <laughs> about that. That's right. Yeah, I'm a subscriber to take the hit in one go, um, particularly if yeah. it's late in the season. Because and if you, if who you can knows jag one, your lineups change by that point. You might never have to buy. And if you can jag yeah, a win exactly when, right. when you've got half your team, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good feeling. Uh, not too sure I've experienced it too many times. Um, it, what's your thoughts on your running backs? Like that's that's my big weakness when I look at your team. Or it's just very very high risk, particularly early in the year. It is, um, which is kind of always the case when you do what I did with receiver and tight end early. Um, the DeAndre Swift one, um, I'm just higher on him than most. And I, I'm just against on Johnson, to be honest. I'm just – he, he knows himself. He's come out himself saying he's not, the, he's not the main man. I just think they're going to try and get this bloke. I know he's injured at the minute, but I just think he's going to be a big part of their offense. I think Philip Lindsay's going to be – definitely useful for me in the first two, three, four weeks. Um, and I'm just going to have to cover off with Dobbins or Swift or whoever's, whoever else is around really. Maybe it's, maybe it's um, Armstead for the first three or four weeks. So that's my plan is to be strong in receiver tight end um, and just get by in, in running back for the, for the early stages and just play it by ear from then. When, if I look at guys that went after, so you took Swift at 56, Dobbins at 65. Um, after 56, Singletree went at 64, um, Howard 93. Mostard, I don't mind. Like, I think Mostard's got a Mac 98, yeah, Mostard. Yeah, so there's a fair few guys that started because you've, you've taken a lot of guys, like it, it, we talked about Edmonds, a lot of upside there, but he's not starting. You're waiting for something to go wrong ahead of him. Um, were you tempted at any point to take one of those, you know, dare I say it, meat and potatoes running backs who is, is a starter, but, you know, not with the high upside, but he's going to give you a bit of a floor 
scoring RB2? Um, I mean, after Edmonds, there weren't... I mean, I'm looking at it now. There weren't a heap in that category, I don't think. Like, Camo took Sony Michelle the pick before me. Um, but he's a terrible player, so I would never have taken him. Um, I'd much rather chase Edmonds sitting behind Kenyon Drake than, than Sony Michelle running into the offensive line and falling down every week. Um, like, like, so Daryl Henderson, I think um, Raz took him a few picks before me. I was looking at those kind of next tier guys that are going to be part of the offense, but maybe not be the number one, like Tariq Cohen. Um, he obviously went a bit earlier. Those kind of guys, but they all just kind of went before my picks, so never really got around to it. So um, we'll see. Yeah, it's clear, it's a clear weakness, but I'll just have to get by, hopefully. Fair enough. Any final comments, Andrew, on Keeney's team? No, I think we've touched on everything that I that I can see there. Chicago defense. At any point. Fair income. Like they've still got Khalil Mack, right? Like, people have jumped off this defense. It's going to be strong. In classic, I was going to take them with the next pick, and then you dug me on that as well. <laughs> if they put up anything like they did a couple of years ago where they were just scoring a touchdown a week, a bit like the Pats of last year, you'll be very, very happy with that. Um, it, it's interesting defenses because I've increasingly come to the conclusion that it's a total lottery. There's better ones and worse ones, but the touchdown bit is just luck, particularly with special teams touchdowns. Um, and so you can have a team, a defense that keeps the team scoreless and might score 10. And you've got another defense that, you know, put lets through 20 points, but gets a return touchdown and scores 14. It's, it just feels very, uh, very lottery. But I mean, yeah, look, I think the the ones that went to the good ones, aren't they? There's not, you know, there's no well, defenses. Super yeah, uh, for mine, we don't really know yet. It's it, Like you said, it can be such a lottery. Like last year in one of my other leagues, um, the Pats defense was on waivers after week one. Um, someone grabbed him for five bucks um, or grabbed them for five bucks, rode them like they just went off for the next eight weeks and then traded them for a good running back and then just did nothing after that. So um, that, yeah, like, yeah. that kind of stuff can happen like, Without being a homer, I can see the Saints' defense being pretty strong this year. That they didn't get taken. Um, yeah, I think there's we we don't really know until it kind of happens. <laughs> and let's move on to our next team, which was the great Mike Cummins. Now we know we've been to Traders Anonymous in the off season, but geez, that that seven step process is really working for him. Not one <laughs> trade before the draft. We had to, there was one point where I think five of us all gave him a call on the one day because we were that concerned about his well-being. Um, you know, the draft was in a few hours and we hadn't heard a peep from him. So everyone was quite concerned. But uh, he's done well, Come on, I think we can all agree he's um, got a pretty good team. I heard a rumour that they, uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but someone lined up a league replacement for him just <laughs> on the off chance that he'd actually passed away. When we hadn't heard a, a, a single trade request out of him. So draft day, uh, I, as I said, I, I won't reveal names because it's a little morbid, but we did have a 12th player ready to go just in case needed. <laughs> Weekend case of emergency. Well, wait. Weekend at Camos. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he could have uh, drafted dead and he still would have done better than Fitzy. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, card is top on and play he goes. Um, let's go through his team. Uh, so Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, pick seven. The rookie, Kansas City. Uh, bit of a talking point early. What do we think, guys? Just, just quickly pause on that one. Pick seven, was that about right? Yeah, I love him. I, I know Jared traded up to eight to get him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I would have taken him at nine, but then with the chatter, I was like, I'm not getting him. So then that's when I traded out at nine or ten. And then uh, we'll keep going. Josh Jacobs with pick 18. Interesting, his boy, Austin Eckler. I said, I gave everyone a, a clue last podcast that Eckler, 18 in the in the book for Camo, but he didn't get there. He went at 17. So he was uh, left without him and took uh, Josh Jacobs as his number two. So strong running back start then. And then obviously went to wide receivers, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, and Allen from, got his boy in there, got a, Finally got a charger in that only took him five picks. He got in, got one in there. Kyler Murray as the what? He was the fourth QB off the board, I believe. Uh, yeah, that he was. Yep. Yeah, fourth off the fourth board. QB off the board, which is um, interesting strategy from from Camo, but a high upside team early. Like you look at his first uh, six picks, very very strong. Um, we'll round off his team. So Zach Moss, Madison, and Michelle as the rest of his running back group. Hunter Henry and Jaseki, two tight ends. So another two tight end, two QB kind of guy, operator. It doesn't bode well for mine, but anyway, we'll soon find out. And then he's obviously gone very strong with receiver, but then all that was left was Henry Ruggs as his fourth. So yes, he's gone strong with receiver, but also the depth at that position um, and in bye weeks can be very, very interesting. I will. I forgot to mention um, Evans from the Titans as well as another running back that he's got. So... Um, that's Camo's team. What do we think early days? I think he's got a interesting... He's taken a couple of guys there that he needs to hang on to. Madison's value is having him sit there and wait. Um, Evans is clearly the same thing behind Henry. The risk he's got, he's not taken a kicker and he's got these two tight end, two quarterback situation. Uh, if you're going to draft him, you would assume you're going to hang on to him. So what does he do week one? Because he's got no depth in numbers of receivers he's got a fair few running backs but guys he wants to hold on to and he's got his two tight ends two quarterbacks so be interesting to see who he lets go i think evans is probably the first one out but um he hasn't left himself room to move is probably my first impression just around the fullness of that lineup well my i thought he drafted sony michelle just so he had someone to cut his kicker that's all he's good for terrible player (laughs) awful player um, also, I'll, I'll repeat this. If you've got Kyler Murray, when are you starting Carson Wentz, Michael? Like, sort it out, son. I like Kyler Murray. I like Carson Wentz. I, and, and look, I can't throw too many rocks in glass houses because I've also taken two QB, although there was a, there was a method to my madness as well. Oh, um, right. I <laughs> look forward to that. It might have been. I, I, I really like when well, we talked about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and I think he was he was in high demand. Camo clearly thought he was getting him at seven and just had no interest in trading that pick. Um, I think Jacobs at 18 is very good. 
there's a few guys that are sort of in a similar cluster for me. And I think kind of Jacobs at 18, Sanders at 14, you know, you're happy getting Jacobs at 18. Yeah, I'm pretty, you know, I would have thought. Um, Beckham, interesting one at 31 for me. Juju at 42 is a better pick than Beckham, if that, in my mind. I think Juju's got more upside with uh, his proper quarterback back this year. Keenan Allen, we knew we knew he couldn't go two, you know, five rounds without taking a charger, and Keenan Allen's probably the result of that. But he's all, always a strong player. Looks like he'll sit in his flex. Zach Moss, I really like. Hunter Henry, I think, is a pretty strong tight end. Uh, the only probably question around that is he took him in that middle range. There was a few guys at that point. If I look at the board, I guess it depends on what you think of. But Ankrum had just gone. He jumped in on Henry. Hurst was still there. Look, it's, it's probably not a bad take. Um, we talked earlier about Madison. He clearly got Madison, the guy that everyone wanted. So I think that's a pretty strong pick there as well. And then, you know, he's probably just filled up on the minor positions for mine late. But I think his first half of the draft's pretty strong. And, you know, it probably helps if you're the only guy that doesn't trade. You actually can do some mock drafts and figure out what you're going to do at your position. So maybe he's reaped the benefits of that. Yeah, having a look, he's definitely, I would say his starting lineup is probably the strongest. And then as you touched on his depth is then where his team drops off a bit. Yeah, I mean, if that starting lineup stays healthy, that's a tough lineup with two strong running backs, three big name wide receivers. He's just gone straight to the marquee for his receivers. Hasn't bothered looking around. Um, the only issue is, so I passed it. I had Jacobs last year and I, he's a great runner. But when you look at that Las Vegas team, they've got Booker, They've got Jalen uh, Rashad. They've got Theo Riddick and Rod Smith. They can all catch the ball. If they want him to catch passes, why have they got four other running backs to do it? So um, that's why I passed on him. So, I mean, I think he's still – he's a good four running back, but um, if they're going to have those other players catch the passes, is he going to get up to the RB1 level that you're hoping that he gets when you take him there? Could OBJ turn around this year, do we think? Um, he's a very, very interesting one. I put it this way. I took DJ Moore the pick later and I've got DJ Moore a long, long way ahead of Odell this year. Um, I just think there's a few red flags with Cleveland. Just, I think their Stefanski comes in. I think they're going to run the ball or want to run the ball a fair bit. I think their defense has improved. Um, so I actually think they're going to be a pretty competitive team. Um, they've still got Landry there. They've got 15 tight ends on the roster. Um, and, and are we sure about Baker yet. So I just think there's a few red flags for Odell. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a high ceiling play. Like we know his best is top five wide receiver potential, but we haven't seen it for about two or three years. So a um, bit of a risky one. And then I similarly with, even though Keenan Allen is a steady player with Tyrod Taylor behind center, um, it could just be a frustrating year for him, I think. And I agree. I think Juju is the safest out of those three. Um, back in the slot, I, think, I, I like him. I think Woodsy might argue about that Juju after Woodsy's frustration last year, though he does get, obviously, Big Ben back this year. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's very... I mean, he could put up some big numbers if all three of those wide receivers go off. But then he's going to have some weeks where they all score, I think, five, six points and he's tearing his hair out and it would look like me. I think with a guy like Juju, you've either got to believe last year was an aberration or the year before was an aberration. And there's there's only one real Juju. And so 
last year it was hard for the owner, which was Woodsy, because the year before t- makes you start him every week because you know he's upside. Whereas this year, I think you can have a much shorter leash with him. So if he's, his upside's huge, but if he's just not putting points up early, you're going to f- be part far quicker to pull the trigger and, and bench him and put someone else in there. Um, obviously, the lack of depth that Camo's drafted a wide receiver behind those guys might make that a little bit more difficult, but I I would have loved to get Juju. Um, I did have the pick after, which, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have taken him given there was a, a stronger wide receiver. Uh, no, probably. Uh, I'd taken three wide receivers, so I probably wouldn't have. But but, but I, I did really like him. I think had my draft paid out differently, I would have been really keen to get him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think sometimes, you know, you look at guys through the lens of, do they make it easier to make a fantasy decision? You know, a guy that has massive ups and massive downs is very difficult to decide whether to start. I think Juju this year is not a difficult decision. You start him early and if he's not going well, you get rid of him. And if he's going well, then fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm i I'm team Juju. I just think he's uh, extremely talented. I think he'll bounce back. I, I'm, I'm almost certain, guarantee he'll bounce back this year. Last year was an absolute um, nightmare. He was injured. His quarterback got injured in week one. Um, just nothing went right. I think they played him out of position. Um, I think he he goes back to his rookie year and he's in his second year um, this year. I think he's the, the 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 whole debate about is he a number one and can he can he go with the number one corner of a team? I think it's a bit of a myth to be honest. I think he he put up really good numbers without Antonio Brown when he missed um, when he was playing in Pittsburgh. So. I, I'm really high on Juju this year. I nearly took him at 38. Um, if Evans wasn't there, I would have taken him for sure. Um, just one quick one for both of you guys. Is there any concern at all with Clyde edwards helaire For someone we have not seen yet, we don't know if he can pass block. We don't know. We obviously know he's in a great system, but and obviously you you play this game to, to win it and take, take some risks, but there's a world where... You know, we haven't seen him yet. So what do you guys think? I wouldn't have taken him. Um, and any Like, there's no way I would have taken him. I, I think, look, if he was still there at 19, maybe I do. But um, I, I he's part of the reason I wanted out of the first oh. round. Pick 12? 12? Uh, would you have- probably not. Because I, I think... In my mind, there, there was a group of really good running backs I'd take any one of. Um, Henry probably being the last of or Cook being the last of them as they went. Um, so Cook, Henry, Kamara, Saquon, Elliott, and CMC. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was in that next group. You know, Drake, uh, him, Jacob, Sanders. And I probably just would have taken one of the proven guys. There was definitely going to be a couple of them left at that point. So I'd probably take a Sanders over a Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I agree the upside's probably higher on, on Hilaire, but I think we've also maybe been sucked a little bit into the hype based on the Damien Williams opt out. We we saw last year Damien Williams had a good year, but they still play the other guys on that offense. And, you know, they've got Mahomes. Mahomes had a pretty injury interrupted year last year, so they were probably doing things a little different than they would at their optimum. So yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I I think you can't really fault the pick because as we've discussed, pretty much everyone behind wanted to take him, but uh, but personally, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, I just I just think back to um, Saquon, his rookie year. Like, wasn't he going four or five in his first year? This guy's not Saquon Barkley, and Barkley was going pick four or five, which is fine. 
Um, but if this guy wasn't tied to the KC offense, which I suppose is the point, but like the talent level is 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 not the same level as Barkley, and he's been taken in a similar range in his rookie year. It's just going to be very very interesting to see if it if it plays out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was super high on him. I would have, I probably had him as my sixth player on the, my board, behind the first four running backs and um, and Michael Thomas. I think it's just if you get the player in that offense, it. I mean, he's great. He's a good. He's a good pass catcher, and they're going to scheme up to get him into space, and then he's going to be able to go from there. Um, if he plays sixteen games and they treat him as a starter. I mean, he is. He could be the RB one, which is. I mean, what you're drafting pick seven for, but I mean, I, 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 any RB in that offense, I think it would be a fair round pick, nearly. Apart from Sony Michelle, yeah. <laughs> Leonard Fournette be, be be dropped by now. All right. Imagine KC though, like, oh, <laughs> wherever Fournette's going to go is going to kill someone. It's going to yeah. be. Disaster for someone. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I'm not sure if you guys have done this, but I look down straight away at my running backs and go, "Who's a risk here?" You know, I, like I think an offense like Denver would be unlikely to take him when they've kind of got two guys good to go. But there's plenty across the league that either you know, there's some obvious candidates like a Washington or maybe a Chicago or something like that. Miami um, struggling. Yeah, but um, then you've got. You know, there's some ones that just having depth is not a bad thing for them. Like, a, you know, Philadelphia is an example, but it just it really hurts the chances of the guy that's sitting at number one. So I reckon someone across the league is about to wake up to some pretty bad news in a day or so. Um, and then just on his buys, week 10 is the week he's not looking forward to. Where he's got um, Edward Tillier, uh, Allen and Henry all on buys. Um, so would he... Who's he playing? Ah, <laughs> no, that's my bad week too. So yeah, hopefully he trades some of those players out so he can give Woodsy a beating. So finally, we start with uh, Ben C, uh, Ben Colagrande, uh, who managed to pull off the draft from his girlfriend's house on her birthday. So I mean, he's he's earned some fantasy points, not actual fantasy points, but figurative fantasy points for that. But he's lost a lot of boyfriend points. So I mean, you got to. Give a round of applause to him for that. I, I enjoyed watching him eat his dinner early on in the draft. Just had a nice close-up view of that. It was beautiful to watch. Well, he said that... So, because his girlfriend called him to order food before he left here to go over there. And then he got there and the food was there. And he had about five minutes till the draft started. So, he's just there with his girlfriend and her sister just smashing his food, um, trying to get it all done before the draft, which he didn't manage to do. It's a slight, slight uh, sideways step here, but what do you think is the optimum draft night food? I know there was a bit of discussion amongst a couple of league members around the right cuisine to eat draft night. And um, Dale McAuliffe went and got a certain type of burgers because he felt it was the, the right American style food to get him in the mindset. What do you guys think? I think a burrito. You want something that's not greasy that you can sort of... If you're doing it wild, it depends if you're doing it wild drafting or you have it beforehand. If you're doing it wild drafting, then I think the burrito, it's all contained. You, you're not getting grease on your stuff. Where are you getting your burritos that it's both contained and not greasy? Because I've, I've probably got bits of burrito on me now and I haven't had one in about a week. 
Well, uh, I'll say that before any big event, I like to carb load. So a nice bolognese <laughs> uh, goes down a tree. You got to you got to prepare for big events, and there's no there's no bigger event than draft day. <laughs> it's very cool. I I did the same. I had a bit of my own home recipe bolognese that night. Just a bit of Papa Steve's beautiful sauce. The, the secrets Worcestershire just just really adds a little bit of a kick to it, uh, and that obviously you know probably worked out pretty well for me. I think. How about this for the viewers, just or the listeners, just some fantasy advice and some, and some dinner advice. The recipes are coming out. We might have to do like Steve's cooking corner as a segment on this podcast at one point. I know, I know, Woodsy, Woodsy needs to to get away from meat and potatoes, which he normally has, so that could <laughs> add some benefit for, for the great man. Keaton, if Woodsy could get uh, Manny's bag bowl recipe, would you do uh, Kelsey for Kittle? But he chucks in the spaghetti recipe as well. Oh, well, no, he's already revealed the secret sauce. <laughs> I have just just to complete the recipe, Woodsy. If you're listening, the secret is you've got to slice the garlic with a razor blade. Get it really, really thin. So feel free to take that one to the bank and see if you can get, get some trade value out of it. <laughs> uh, I'll get us back on track here. We back to Ben's team. So his starting lineup. He started with, we took a, the first quarterback off the board with Lamar and then he's uh, gone running back. Uh, so he's got two running backs with Drake and DJ uh, with his first and third pick. Then uh, he's gone pretty wide receiver heavy from there. He's got uh, DJ Chark, um, Brown, Marvin Jones Jr., Crowder. He took acres in the middle there. Um, and then he's waited on his tight end and took Jack Doyle with his second last pick. Um, and he's got the Bills D, which I think they get, they got a pretty good matchup week one from memory as well. Um, and then on his bench, he's got uh, Justin Jackson, uh, Perrine, who will almost certainly be cut because uh, I think he picked up an injury today in camp. Chris Thompson, who's just rocketed in value with um, uh, Fournette being cut. Uh, Nikhil Harry and Lazard. So uh, having a look at his team, I'm not the biggest fan of his running backs. Like I like Drake, but Aikus... I mean, who knows what's going to happen there? And Johnson, could he could be the running back one. He could be cut by week six. So um, I do like the running back depth he's got. Um, and obviously Lamar can win you any week. So um, what do you think, boys? We talked in the preview show about David Johnson. And there's a couple of guys that people just someone's going to get sucked in. And he got sucked in on him. Um and the other ones, Le'Veon Bell and Woodsy got sucked in on that one. I, I kind of agree with you, but I think while he might have made some, you know, at the position he took them question mark decisions on running backs, he took enough early that I think he's probably pretty solid at the position. Um, don't mind Cam Akers at 60. Between Johnson and Drake and Akers, you're going to get two to start, I would have thought. Um, like DJ Chark, obviously, Keeney spoke earlier about the fact that he's probably a bit of a beneficiary of Fournette. Although if they're throwing all the time, sometimes while it ups the opportunity, the taking away a good running back just allows defenses to play a little bit softer and, and maybe Chuck loses a little bit out of that. Um, he's kind of got a few of those middle receivers that like a Marvin Jones Jr. I talked earlier about the guys that are hard to decide whether to start or not. I put him in that camp because he scores two touchdowns or he doesn't touch it. And, 
he always scores the two touchdowns against Minnesota, so I don't like him as a player. But he just, for me, I, I wouldn't want a guy like that because he's difficult to start fantasy, but he's also going to win you some weeks. Um, Brown and Crowder are kind of similar territory for mine. Um, don't mind his late picks, though, as you said. I think Doyle in the second last round is pretty good. I reckon if you're going to wait that long to take a tight end, um, I reckon he's got a reasonably good one because Rivers likes tight ends and um, he's he should be the main guy at Indianapolis. So if you know he gets a few end zone targets, he'll score okay. Um, and, of course, Lamar. You can't really fault that. I mean, it's, he's taken him pretty early, but um, I have my eye on him at, probably 27, which is a little bit later than what he took in, but I, I do like him as a player. I think he's going to provide a lot of points this year. So just on Lamar, um, I think it's a pretty big talking point. So pick 16, I was taken aback a little bit when he went off the board that early. I thought it was, I love Lamar, obviously. I think he's exceptional. Um, 16 for mine's fraction early. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, so I, after I brought up that he could potentially take Lamar, as soon as Ben listened to the podcast, I got a, I will be taking Lamar with one of my first picks. <laughs> and so that's where the trade to six, because he originally was going to take him at 13. So I August, uh, did the trade to move up to 13 with him because I'm pretty sure that he was still going to be there at 16 for him. Um, I don't oh, mind yeah. it. Like, Interesting. That's very generous of you because... If you know he's going to take a guy you wouldn't take, wouldn't you let him have the pick? Well, because I didn't want someone to... Because I traded pick six, pick 16 to pick 13. So there was a couple of running backs there that I wanted to make sure that I secured. So I was... And because I did it pre-draft, so I didn't know... If, I'd seen some drafts where there'd been 11 running backs taken in the first round. So um, uh, I wanted to make sure I sort of got two of the top 13 running backs that I liked. Um, so mm. I, I was fine with doing the trade. And then, but I, I mean, I don't mind it. Like he's got upside in that he can be a good quarterback and then he's plus his running is the average running back. So all in one player, um, even if his running stays the same and his passing improves a bit. I mean, that's a ridiculous play you've got there. So my, my counter to that is... Would you rather Lamar Jackson and Alan Lazard or Julio Jones and Carson Wentz? I would yeah, prefer the second option, but I can see the appeal of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and that's that's what happens when you take QB. It's opportunity cost. It's what you're giving up um, yeah. to get that player. So... Um, Obviously, no one dislikes the player than itself. It's just what you're kind of bypassing to to grab a QB that early. But uh, I mean, if he's if he does what he did last year, you're going to be in the top four. So <laughs> if that happens, well done. Mm. It, I, I, one question I forgot to ask when we talked about Camo's team, but do you like his team better if he doesn't take Murray? So his quarterbacks went, he takes it 138, and at 66, instead of Murray, he gets any of oh, who, who went just after that. Um, Stefan Diggs, Jarvis Landry went a few picks after. Most it, Diggs, Most, Green. Yeah, he Gallup. gets one of those guys. Yes, just, 
Yeah. The difference between Murray and Wentz mightn't be that big. If anything, it might be flipped. Like Wentz, there's a there's a world where Wentz is better than Murray this year. Um, yeah. Adding it, it's still a pretty good player in the fifth round, sixth round there. So, yep. Yeah. So yeah, I like I find it more understandable to take Lamar in the second there. At least like Lamar, he has the potential. We he was the number one scoring player last year. I mean, and you could make the argument that Lamar's getting better as a player this year. Um, so, I mean, it's probably hard for him to do those numbers again, but there is a world where he scores more than he did last year, which is a lot of points. Mm, yeah. I, I get it. it is easy to say after the fact too, because, you know, if he knew he was getting Wentz in 138, maybe he does something different, but it is the one that stands out. Um, Hollywood Brown is one, an interesting one for me, because I, I, I put him in that cluster of guys that, you know, big up weeks and, and some down weeks. But I guess probably the difference is Crowder and Jones are very well established. We know what we're getting from them. He burst onto the scene, had some up and down weeks last year, but he's obviously much younger and there's probably more upside in him. Do you guys think Marquise Brown is set for a big year or do you think he's he's sort of one of those up and down long throw yeah, type players? I like, I like Hollywood. Um, I think he, I agree completely with what you're saying though. Like he's one of those guys that um, it'll be frustrating for you throughout the year. My advice, not that you need any, is I think he's one of those guys where you just got to leave him in your lineup because there's he'll go off for three TDs one week, and if you if you you'll just you'll just go insane if he's on your bench that week. And then playing that game of when do I start him? He's one of those guys that he's obviously got a heap of talent. He's he's in a great offense. He's in a really good system, um, and I think you've just got to play him each week. Even even when that's frustrating, when he might not only have three or four points one week, but then just explodes and wins you a week the next. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It's, I mean, knowing Ben, he once he has a big week with him, he's not taking him out of his lineup anyway. He's in, once he falls in love with a uh, player that wins him a week, he's not coming out of the lineup. <laughs> Hopefully, week one, Alan Lazard wins the week for him, and he stays there for the rest of the season for the rest of us. <laughs> and so just having a look at his buys week eight where he plays Havers it's a rough week for him he's got Lamar David Johnson Kenyon Drake and um, Hollywood all on a buy so um, wow. I mean Haver, you could pretty much put that one in Penn Havers I think at the moment <laughs> Penn doesn't make a trade that's that's about as bad of a, that's the worst buy week we've heard I think uh, at least I, I'm Pleased to hear that the opponents of these bye weeks aren't the same person. It would yeah. be very distressing if someone just got a golden run through the year where they just played everyone when their team was on bye. Yeah, I'll just just to um, I think we've touched a fair bit on it, but um, just looking at his running backs, Kenyon Drake was in a moon boot last week. David Johnson, as you've mentioned, is the real unknown this year. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen with him in that offense. Um, Cam Akers, rookie, but I think he's been helped. Daryl Henderson's got a uh, hamstring injury at the minute, so he'll probably start, but they've got three or four guys they could go to there. Um, and then Justin Jackson, the reports are that Josh Kelly's ahead of him. Um, and then Chris Thompson, who'll get a bit of a boost with the Fournette um, release, but still he's a hard player to play every week and he gets injured a lot as well. So for me, that's the weakness of his team, just the depth at running back. Um, but he's got some very high upside receivers. Um, and yeah, I like his defense. 
and his tight end's fine and steady, I agree. And he's obviously got the best QB in the game, so that'll keep him in weeks. So, yeah. All right. Well, that, that takes us through Team 6. So I think uh, that's probably a good, a good point to pause it for, for the, first, the first in our two-part series of the, the draft review. Um, to wrap up the teams we've talked through tonight, boys, who do you think is the best of the six teams that we've, we've run through? Keeney, maybe start us off. Um, yeah, look, it might be a popular call, but I think Camo's got the, if it all works for him, I think he's got the potential to um, be the strongest squad. Uh, his starting lineup in particular is very, very strong. I think he, he could move a few pieces with trade. Um, yeah, I think if, if everything goes right for him, the, the Dalvin Cook holdout, and then he, all of a sudden he's got another running back one. So, no, I like I like uh, Camo's team. Yeah, got to go with Camo as well. It's like I, there's a world where like Haver's team or um, even Keeney's team, I think, could obviously, I mean, or Dale with the talent there. I mean, they could all sort of be up there as well. But I think Camo is just you look at his team and you go, cool. If everyone performs very well, or not, if everyone performs sort of how you expect, he's going to have a strong team before anyone makes any moves. So. Um, they're going to stick with Camo there. Without completely agreeing with you, mate, I think I'm going to, I will, and I'm going to say just honourable mention to to Dale. I think if if it all works for him, um, I think his team's got huge upside. Um, and obviously he needs Metcalf to have a big second year. Sutton, I, I really like Sutton. Um, third year, Wilson, Barkley, Cook, Taylor could go off. Um, high upside if it all, all clicks for him. Yeah, I... I... I looked at Dale and he, uh, I, I tend to agree with you that his running backs are super and his, his wide receivers, as, as we talked about, young. So there's risk there, but high upside. Um, I, I agree, Camo is pretty strong for the reasons we talked about. I hate to say it, but I, I probably would go with Woodsy's team. And this guy will be sitting there smirking as he hears me say this. But um, I like him as a week one team. I just think Eckler... Um, and Bell at the start of the year, you know, that's solid. We talked about his Robinson Cup, Boyd, Landry wide receivers. Kelsey's as good a tight end as there is. Allen's going to be a good starting running back. He's got a bit of depth with Mack and Breeder. Um, he's obviously got really excited and picked the first defense and the first kicker. So, you know, he's got the two starting best ones of them. Um, I, I don't think he'll, you know, probably be able to, I don't think he'll be there at the business end of the year because, I don't see the full roundedness of the team, but I think if I'm looking at week one, who's drafted the best starting team, he'd be right up there for mine. Um, I, to be honest, I think across the board, we haven't really seen any week ones. Ben's is a little different, but he's still got some really strong players at each position. So I think I, we haven't had a close look at the other six yet, but I don't think we're looking at anyone that's bottom of the league in the six teams we've gone through tonight. Hasn't their subscription just paid for itself? For Woodsy? <laughs> oh, that's just more about the refund, Woodsy. That's it's all paid for. It it really pained me to say that because I wanted to do anything but compliment Woodsy. However, it kind of came down to just continued cheap shots or a bit of journalistic integrity, and I thought I better better pay credit where credit's due. If we look at the picks, well, what what do you think the best pick? That anyone probably not going to be a first rounder, I assume, but uh, the best pick of the six teams that we've been through, maybe Andrew, if you want to kick us off. 
Uh, so the pick, I mean, it's, it is actually a first rounder. Just, I mean, I talked about how much I love Edward Solaire. So him at seven, um, I mean, obviously paid a lot for him, but I mean, I just think he's, that offense, I want anything to do with it. And then I end up with a team without anyone in it, but the starting running back loses his main competition. It's just, I mean, the sky's the limit for that pick, I think. Okay, yeah. what about yourself? Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, I've got a few um, honourable mention to to Zach Moss, who I think will lead that backfield at some point um, and will get a lot of the goal line carries. Um, another honourable mention to Austin Eckler, who I think can be a top three to five running back if it all goes well. Um, my pick for this is Jonathan Taylor um, at pick 40. Um I just love the upside of it. I've, I've spoken about it a couple of times, but I, there's a world where he's a top 10 back this year and next year he's been drafted in the first round. Um, so if that all happens, pick 40, absolute steal, and, and that'll help Dale get to a pretty high position, I would have thought, if, if Barkley and Cook can get on the field as well. Yeah, it's a fair call. Um, I've got a couple of honourable mentions myself. Um, Camo with... Alexander Madison at 103. We all talked about how much we all wanted him. Um, I think the fact that Kamo was the guy that got in first makes it a very smart pick. Um, Keeney, Deontay Johnson at 89. I, I really like him. Uh, I know there's a little bit of hype around him, but all the reasons we talked about Juju being good this year, let's remember Deontay Johnson was essentially their best receiver last year in that team. So, and he's, he's you know, he's only going to get better as he gets older. Um, the other honourable mention for me we also talked about was Ben with uh, Jack Doyle, second last round, to be able to p- pick a starting tight end that we all think is pretty solid. I think he's very good drafting. Uh, the best pick, though, for me was Havers with Antonio Brown at 170. Um, we all have to mess with positions to waiver guys. And just for the only one that figured out to take a guy who has massive upside, but he can actually chuck him in an IR and get a free spot out of it, was the, uh, the pick of the draft for mine. What about worst picks? Uh, the one pick that you just looked at and thought, yep, well, that was a waste of time. Uh, Keeney, I don't know if you've got one. Maybe you want to kick us off? Wow. Uh, on the spot, okay. Well, uh, this is an easy one for me. <laughs> I mean, one pick 127. You can get some quality at 127. I'll tell you, there's... There's plenty around the mark. There's Sony, I mean, not Sony, there's Jeff Chase. Anyone else really in the NFL, but take Sony Michelle at at 127. Oh boy, not for me. Um, Horrible, horrible dismension. I'm not a big QB high guy, so for mine, taking Lamar at 16 is, um, you need that to pay off. Otherwise, you could be in big trouble. If it does good, if it doesn't, you're in a the rest of your squad's in a world of hurt for mine. What about yourself, Andrew? Um, so I think he'd be at ninety five. It's just I'm not a big fan of him talent wise. And then the tight ends that you could have waited and got it. Like I think when you look at the players that were the tight ends that were picked after him, I could see four or five of those all finishing above him, maybe even more. So um that was the one that the spot he was in and then the player himself. I just wasn't a fan of. 
Yeah, fair enough. I think for me, I touched on both David Johnson and Lev Bell as two guys that someone was going to get sucked into, uh, 36 and 50 respectively from Ben and Woodsy. Probably David Johnson has a little more upside changing teams. Um, Lev Bell, you've got to give Woodsy a little bit of a little bit of latitude in the sense that he took him at pick 50 and he, he dropped and dropped and dropped and someone was going to take him eventually. Still don't like either of those picks though. Um, but I think for mine, it, it's the guys that are really difficult to know whether to start or not start. So for that reason, it's got to be Sony Michelle. It's, it's just <laughs> an absolute waste of a pick. You, you just, you're never going to feel good about starting him. So why bother putting him on your roster? <laughs> Can I, I've forgotten one. I've just seen it probably, no, nah, it's not worse than Sony Michelle, but it's probably <laughs> next in line. Um, and that is pick 64 with Havers. Um, Devin Singletary. No, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of Singletary this year. I just think they brought in Moss. He's a big body back. I think he's going to get a lot of goal line work. And if Moss doesn't, I think Josh Allen will. So, if you set if you set an over under of touchdowns for Singletary at three and a half, I'd take under all day, every day. I just don't think he's going to be get near the end zone. So um, for mine, it's a bit of a risky pick at sixty four when there's other guys around him like um, most of you know Stefan Diggs, J.K. Dobbins. These kind of got Ronald Jones. Um, I think Tariq Cohen will score more than him this year. Not as sexy a pick, but um, yeah, the Singletary pick I'm not a huge fan of. He didn't have a great middle section either because T.Y. Hilton at 57 is a bit questionable in my mind. Feels very, very early. So Havers, yeah, might have uh, might have blacked out for a little bit there. But anyway, that's probably all the time I've got for today. So thank you very much, boys. Appreciated going through these six fine lineups. I'm looking forward to delving into the other six in our next podcast. Um, we're also, as we mentioned at the top of the show, keen to get the teams on themselves for a bit of a right of reply. Uh, let them try and justify some of the ridiculous moves that we've been critiquing all night. So uh, we'll be looking to do that at some point before the season starts in a week and a half time. Um, but for now, thank you very much and have a great evening.